0: Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Weekly Dispatch, covering the 19th through the 25th of August. And between Greenland, USA Basketball, the G7 Summit, and Andrew Luck ruining the fantasy season of many a sports fan, namely O.J. Simpson, someone get him under federal custody and protection for the love of God, this week was fun. Weather is almost sweatshirt season, which means you can stock up on all the pumpkin spice lattes in a Cronus Fit sweatshirt, which I'm sure works as a PT uniform It's not like your battalion commander or sergeant major are going to see you when you're clanging and banging weights in the gym and they're out doing another four-mile run or push-ups or going to a staff meeting at 630. Anyway, our podcast is sponsored by Paragon Recovery. Use the code Cronus 15 to get great deals on their products. Paragon Recovery keeps you in the fight through activating your recovery and sleep cycles and check them out and contact them for even more savings if you're a member of the military community or one of the many law enforcement agencies. Today's podcast will focus internationally on the Amazon. That's only because my Instagram feed won't stop talking about it and recommends I do something. The G7 Summit and Foreign Business Investment. Our U.S. America's news this week will be a summary of wasted taxpayer dollars in Afghanistan shocking, and litigation against Trump policy and the administration, what that litigation actually means. We're actually going to talk sports this week because football's back, baseball isn't as boring because there are wild card races, we're still not going to talk about it, and obviously college football. So without much further ado, let's go. Smoke on the water, fire in the sky don't play that song if you're in brazil right now uh massive wildfires raging across the amazon rainforest the rainforest which is uniquely brazilian is homes to millions of individuals and thousands and millions of species of plants flora and fauna etc which are all living in a delicate balance with nature. Uh, The military in Brazil uses the jungle both as a tool for training, but also as a tool for maintenance of the jungle because the country is so reliant on it for economic advancement and then also through conservation efforts to maintain that future. But recent fires, if you haven't been tracking, are causing international calls for fixing the Brazilian environmental policies. And individuals argue are leading to uh, the loss of so much just vast nature. And a lot of this comes down to the Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, I don't know how to say his first name, who has been criticized as a nationalistic leader, uh, also inspiring his nation to condemn many of these foreign cries for help, citing that these attacks are now on Brazilian sovereignty. But... Back to the rainforest. Uh, Two thirds of the rainforest actually fall within Brazil, and international agencies claim that that actually belongs more broadly to the world because it's key to curbing the effects of greenhouse gases. And to highlight one of them is carbon dioxide, which during photosynthesis—photo, uh, photo, photo photosynthesis—is fuel along with sunlight and water, and then that's used to create oxygen throwing up the hashtags right now biology class the rainforest produces roughly 20 percent of the planet's oxygen and accounts for one-fourth of the carbon dioxide absorbed by the world's forests. and members of the g7 which is something we're going to cover next are making it a priority for the summit this past weekend uh, to make sure that we can curb the effects of such devastating wildfires but if you want to know what you can do at home help Posted on Facebook or Instagram about the burning and how we should do something. Change your profile picture to a picture of you in the rainforest if you went there for a spring semester, Chad or Brad. But if you didn't go on a semester abroad there uh, and you can't throw up a picture of like, I don't know, Notre Dame after it burned down for your solidarity with that crime, um, then I guess you can't do anything, right? Alright, well the rainforest is critical to the planet to say the least, being right now thousands of firefighters are battling the dangerous conditions, the smoke's getting so bad that it's limiting flights around the Amazon, and it's increasing all the respiratory problems within the states of Brazil, making it hard to get medicine there, making it hard to get the firefighters there, so it's kind of getting out of control. Not sure how this is going to go because Brazil at this point says that this is a Brazilian problem. International nations are trying to come together to help them out. I don't think they have a Smokey the Bear, maybe like a Gustavo the Anaconda, but they probably didn't talk uh, about the threats of deforestation lending to such rapid growth in wildfires as the temperature has also increased over the years. But we'll know more next week when we can properly account for all of the Instagram posts going to dropping water all over that rainforest. All right, we talked about it. The G7 summit kicked off this Saturday in Biarritz, France. The annual event brings together the U.S., France, Germany, the U.K., Italy, Canada, and Japan. Most notably missing is Russia when it was kicked out of the group, which used to be the G8, in 2014 for invading Crimea. The agenda for this meeting, like we talked about uh, with the rainforest, is also focused on international economic rules. Some of them we highlighted a couple weeks ago, but specific to data privacy, international digital trade, international currencies and taxation. Last year, if you remember, Trump left the summit early without signing that final joint statement. This year is going to be probably no different, especially with all the strained relationships and the tensions that have resulted as a result of those trade disputes leading up to this event. Some examples of issues that countries are going to argue over include uh, Canadian taxes on U.S. tech companies like Amazon, taxes on the French wine from the U.S., but if you've watched Bottle Shock, you should only drink California wine because... Lord and Savior Chris Pine demands it, Captain Kirk. But also, uh, Iran regulations are still putting smaller nations within Europe and abroad at odds with larger European and Asian markets. This last year, if you remember, Trump called NATO unfair to the U.S. taxpayer and said European nations needed to pay more of their GDP into the development of a military. And so President Merkel from Chancellor Merkel, German Merkel, she's German, will be pressed to respond this weekend because of the strengthening of the German economy used now as a catalyst for our administration to say, hey, you need to develop increased funding for the European representation of NATO. But the big news will be more focused around, I think, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who promised by October 31st that the UK was going to leave the EU with Brexit. And that's with or without a backstop for Ireland which consists of two countries, one that's going to belong to the UK and one that's a member of the European Union. Uh, if you don't know anything more about Ireland, you probably just know it as uh, the country from whence Braveheart's, Braveheart's sidekick came from uh, in that great movie. Also, whiskey and some funny asks accents. Uh, the U.S. and Japan is going to try to finalize a trade deal uh, right now this weekend. Um, the fall for this, though, is going to be significantly louder following this weekend uh, just because the U.S. economy isn't headed towards a necessarily safe or healthy set of waters. And the relationship that's been developed between President Trump and other international leaders is going to be scrutinized for future trade deficits that we'll have with those countries, how those will affect the market. And then this comes after claims by President Trump where he says he wished he could have raised Chinese tariffs even higher than was originally quoted and then trying to force U.S. companies to cut ties with China. With all that said, the big focus, if you can remember anything, is just going to be focused on the economy, focused on the economy, maybe some rainforest sprinkled in there. All right, our final international topic relates to economy again as well. Uh, Foreign businesses are really hesitant to invest in the U.S. right now because they can't confirm whether that foreign-owned employers are going to be welcomed to the United States, how immigration or visa processes is going to affect business development. The recent shift is coming as that America first rhetoric is going to stress citizenship of a company's owners rather than location of its workforce. Because if the company is owned by Americans, this is going to be something that the president and the administration wants to push for getting primacy in different markets, and uh, a more favorable tax structure. And this is kind of connected to our discussion with the Federal Reserve, who, if you remember, began adjusting some of the interest rates uh, recently. And that was in an expectation management uh, position to change the U.S. market before drops in foreign investment as a result of Brexit and other European issues. But with trade policy being so uncertain, Uh, the chairman, uh, Powell, is is really saying, hey, this is a signal of a slowing economy when we have foreign investment declining. President Trump celebrated uh, earlier this month about massive amounts of money entering the market from abroad. But what he failed to do was clarify how a lot of those funds were entering the bond market. Last week, we had the inverted yield curve. And many of the funds that the foreign market uh, money is going into, into is investing in assets which are more liquid, meaning they can be quickly dropped if those uh, investing that money desire to or need it fast cash. We'll see exactly how some of this might change if our trade deal with Japan is finalized, if there are any more retaliatory tariffs in place. Next week for an economic segment, we're going to talk about what an aut- autarky is from a perspective of international trade and how tax incentives are usually placed on the consumers like us for products rather than really the bottom dollar of a GDP. But more to follow for sure. Okay, so the first topic for U.S. news is, is kind of international, but I'm going to categorize it, yeah. Categorizing it as U.S. news because it's U.S. taxpayer dollars. We're here in America now, and and that's what we're going to focus on. But a recent audit of an Afghan payroll system backrolled and bankrolled was the word I was looking for there. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Bankrolled by U.S. taxpayers was recently targeted by a watchdog group who claimed that its failure is just another example of economic oversight issues that we have had with our spending habits in Afghanistan. The system, specifically uh, the payroll system, which is is failing and flawed because it can't connect to other Afghan government computer systems, it's still relying heavily on the manual data entry process, which it was supposed to eliminate, and it also didn't implement a biometric tracking system, is one which the U.S. tried to create and uh, influence through Netlink which is a Kabul based tech company from 2016. What the project was supposed to do was prevent fraud by tracking funds for the police and military this goes back to the idea that we want to make sure individuals that are being paid in Afghanistan are being fair paid fair wages on time and that because the government controls those two entities through two separate ministries that uh, have two different figureheads as leaders there wouldn't be an issue with Afghanistan ensuring that its government employees are paid on time and that there wouldn't be an issue with you know a collapse of that system however all of that is still a, a total and utter failure from the US perspective and because of something that you'll hear very shortly the original plan for that system was drafted to counter the afghan issue of paying those ghost ghost soldiers. And uh, for the cost, if you're sitting down in the car, great, pull over. $38 million. It has ballooned to a cost of $38 million to get this payroll system set up, which I'm sure many of you could do on an Excel spreadsheet for significantly less. But many are calling this another example of the U.S. just trying to graft an American solution to an Afghan problem and something that will fail as soon as the United States leaves. Which, if you're a member of the Army Engineers, or you've been stationed at many of the FOBs around Afghanistan, you can definitely feel that pain. I mean, how many FOBs and COPs and infrastructure projects were completed by U.S. soldiers and engineers only to be handed over and go to complete trash? And if you want an example, you can see FOB Azizula in Maywan, or FOB Pasab. two places that in just a two-year span, I, I personally saw go from... You know, a nice premier installation that could control and affect some government within an area of the country to just looking like, you know, slummy. Uh, The Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction reported finding more than $400 million in questionable costs since it was established in 2008. Another example is a $6.7 million compound that was used to train Afghan Women soldiers, back in 2017, totally completed, but was never used because of fire concerns. So that's just another example of just fraud, waste, and abuse. Not something that soldiers or members of the military really have a say in any longer, but it's trying to do exactly what many of us have always assumed was happening in Afghanistan. We're bringing a lot of this American bear down onto a society or a government that's not ready to run with quote unquote, the big dogs. They they don't have the infrastructure capabilities and they don't have the personnel to take these complicated systems and streamline them. That's sad. It's unfortunate, but you know, we'll digress and continue moving on back to more pressing U S news. And the first one that we're going to talk about is uh, litigation this year. In the past uh, 31 months since Trump has been president, there have been 87 multi-state legal actions brought against his administration and policy. Uh, Litigation, which is essentially arguing and going to court over matters dealing with uh, constitutional freedoms. That's what happens when you have a a multi-state problem uh, because you have to assign jurisdiction. It has primarily been focused heavily on immigration And is uh, tending to see a lot of those courts in the same states, California, New York, Washington, Connecticut, Hawaii, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Colorado. And you might be asking yourself, why do so many of these states typically get identified by litigators and those offices bringing suits against the government? Well, for one, uh, the district court systems for each state at a federal level we're talking here follow precedents from their district appellate courts, and then the Supreme Court, which is the highest court in the land. The United States has 13 of these appellate districts, and most of the states that I just mentioned usually fall under the same appellate district. So the jurisdiction uh, and the rules that prior court cases have applied to are going to be more favorably interpreted in those same regions. The same thing happened under President Obama's presidency when states went after the Affordable Care Act Uh, in states with district courts that were more conservative in their review and interpretation of constitutional law. And under a law, you have what's called a, a choice law rules. And that relies on the premise that, you know, if you have a case of first impression, or you have a case that could be brought at a state court, or one that goes to a federal level, which hasn't really been reviewed or have any precedence, if you bring that to a federal district court, the state that that court sits in that would see the case would look to the state court system first to see if a rule applied. And this is to make sure that the federal court follows the same kind of rules that the state court would employ. So for instance, if the Southern District Court of New York was reviewing a case and it was for something of searching for relief for a plaintiff, it would look to the state of New York and their local courts to see if that court had already ruled on a similar topic and the whole idea beyond this is to make sure that individuals can't shop around for more favorable decisions but if you have states in general that lean a certain political direction that are in close proximity to one another you can bring these suits up more quickly to a district court setting at a federal level to ensure that you get uh, a more favorable ruling and a lot of the democrats have uh been successful at this right now in their initial litigation against the trump presidency and administration in those courts uh, a little bit of background president obama at the end of his presidency had 78 multi-state suits against him and president bush had 76 most recently and dramatically the litigation was successful for democrats who were able to get the supreme court to halt the addition of the citizen- citizenship question to that 2020 census You will see way more of this coming as the immigration policies begin to change, especially when it comes to refugee relief and this third party state that the United States is essentially making with countries like Panama and Mexico, Nicaragua, to prevent uh, passage directly into the United States in that immigration process and creating um, some obstacles to individuals coming from Uh, lesser economically developed regions before entering the United States labor markets all right really quickly sports they're back USA basketball just lost to Australia you know that country made famous by Chris Hemsworth Hugh Jack can't deadlift man Vegemite thunder down under the british penal colonies rugby swimming great white sharks tia claire Toomey and cara saunders the sydney opera house you name it it's australian that country just beat the united states at basketball let that sink in all right let that sink in yeah we lost to them in basketball i mean that's like that that whole island is one box of tea away from being britain and we just lost to them at a sport that we created well anyway on to more bad news if you drafted him andrew luck retires at the age of 29 from the nfl the four-time pro bowler and indianapolis colt announced that he was getting out and then he was ceremoniously booed off of the field when news hit the twitter sphere College football is also back. Uh, The first game was on Saturday night between Florida and Miami. The Gators won late, but it's back. Cam Newton is also injured, so good luck if you drafted him this year. It just seems like a lot of quarterbacks are coming off the board. And Dwight Howard recently signed with LeBron and the Lakers. So the Western Conference is going to be the conference again to watch this year, especially with Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors and going to the Nets but being injured for the rest of the season. But that's the end of the podcast. Upcoming news and events to watch for. John Wick 3 is out on digital. I haven't watched it. I will. It's a must because Keanu is God. Rise of the Skywalker was announced for release date of the 20th December. Uh, I also start law school this week, and that's why I bring up Keanu because it's his role in Point Break as to why I decided to become a lawyer. You know... All conference quarterback Ohio State, Johnny Utah. Not doing this to become a JAG. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope, nope. 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 And for those of you that are actually interested out there in transitioning to school, hit us up, ask us questions about the process. We can direct you guys to individuals to help with writing your application essays, where to apply, those costs. And if you really look into and you've gotten out and you want help with transition, Check out our Cronus Scholar section uh, for our nonprofit for help with those transition costs. Uh, if you have time and are listening to other podcasts, check out The Midnight Myth on the podcast apps. I started listening to this because I played Warhammer 40k, obviously, growing up and spent my last Friday night watching Lord of the Rings. So I'm a nerd. But they just had a great podcast on the Lord of the Rings. They covered Macbeth, they cover Harry Potter don't lie you guys know you love it you guys know you're nerds you probably play Dungeons and Dragons at Camp Alpha anyway guys that'll do it for us this week we'll be back next Sunday for more weekly dispatch reports uh, and brain body Bobby as always check us out online at www.chronosfit.org or HQ at chronosfit.org for all questions about the podcast programming or opportunities within Cronus Fit. thanks guys